Praise God. I'm asking Brother Flowers to come. Would you keep your spirit open? Continue receiving what the Lord is doing. Amen. Uh, I've got a couple of things I want to talk through, maybe walk through some scriptures. I'm going to try to move quickly here at the beginning. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Brother Jeremiah, if you could put that up for us. I was thinking on my way to church this morning. I remember when uh, when Brother Jeremiah was a little bit smaller, younger. That was First Thessalonians five twenty three. I'm thankful for the work that he does. His commitment there. Amen. So this this verse says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means completely, not as in H-O-L-Y, like the Holy Bible that you're holding. Holy meaning completely. All of you be sanctified. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this I'm just going to give you some things as I've learned them through the last few years, I would say, and trust the Lord to piece these together. But the three elements that he says, I want to be sanctified in each of you, is your spirit, your soul, and your body. And he's talking to the uh, church in Thessalonica there, the, the, the individuals that make up that church. So all of you, I want you to be sanctified completely. What does it mean to be sanctified completely? It means that your spirit, your soul, and your body are all sanctified. If just your spirit is sanctified, you're not sanctified completely. If just your body is sanctified, you're not sanctified completely. Okay, so those three elements there are what make up Human beings, okay? Spirit, soul, and body. You got that? Everybody say spirit, soul, body. body. That's what makes up us as human beings. Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see sort of the way that different writers address these different elements here. Um, If every human being has a spirit, a soul, and a body... And then we know that we, we also talk about uh, the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Then my question is, where is the, is the space or the room? What does that Holy Spirit, like, you know, where does it, I don't have a three-bedroom house, and now I've got to make a fourth bedroom for the Holy Spirit because we're talking about adding in a new element. No, the Holy Spirit is supposed to take over all three elements, Okay, but so before I've got the work of the Holy Spirit in me, meaning before I am full of the Holy Ghost, I still have a spirit. Okay, I just like I have a soul, just like I have a body, I've got a spirit. But what is what's the state of that spirit before the Holy Ghost comes in? 
Well, Ephesians 2, it gives us a hint. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So the death part of this is not talking about my body, and it's not talking about my soul. Because my body was still alive, functioning. My soul is a product of my body and my spirit. So, as I'm, he says, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, he's talking about the spirit part of you. Your spirit is dead in trespasses and in sins. Look down at verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. So I'm dead. My spirit is dead in trespasses. Those are sins. When I'm doing things wrong. But before I knew the, the, the power of the spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit to help make me holy. Before I'm there, my spirit is dead. Everybody still with me? My body's alive. My soul is alive. But the spirit is dead in sin. In trespasses and sins. I wanted to draw those distinctions because I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3. The Lord brought this scripture to me as I was praying in the, in the prayer room before service. And before we talk about what this verse says, we need to have that clear understanding of what does it mean to just speak to or about one of those elements of my, of my makeup, my Body, my soul, and my spirit. Because in Ephesians 3, Paul is writing and he's actually sharing a part of his prayer that he's praying for these Ephesians. This is what I'm praying for you. This is what I want to happen for you. I'm going to look at verse 16. We're going to skip through the rest of this. But Ephesians 3.16, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory... To be strengthened. Everyone say to be strengthened. To be strengthened with might. By his spirit. So Paul's praying. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be strengthened with might. The word might there is the Greek word. Some of you have heard this before. Dunamis. Which also means power. So I want you to be strengthened with power. By his Spirit in your inner man. Now, when it says the inner man, it's talking about one of those three elements. It's not talking about the spirit and it's not talking about the body. It's talking about the soul. I am praying that the spirit of Christ strengthens you in your inner man, in your soul. That's what I'm praying. Paul Paul says, that's what I'm praying for. This work to be accomplished. Now, we know if you read through all the different epistles that Paul wrote, he addressed some things that affect the body. He, He addressed a lot of things that affect the spirit. But here specifically, he's saying the soul, the soul of the man. I want it to be strengthened with might, with power of his spirit. So really what he's saying is, there's, I want, I'm praying for and I'm expecting and I'm believing 
an infusion of his spirit into your soul. I've heard it said that the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Because those, those, that's not my body. My emotions aren't my body. You know, you, you can pinch my hand and I've got a little reaction there, but you didn't really inflict my soul when you did that. You didn't inflict my spirit when you did that. That's just body. But my soul need, needing to be strengthened is something entirely different than, man, I had a hard week physically or whatever. Uh, this, this weakness in my soul is what Paul is addressing. Now, as I pray and I, as I'm thinking about the body of Christ and, and my brothers and my sisters and, and the work that we're collectively doing for the kingdom, I think it's accurate, as Paul did, for me to pray for the strength of the Spirit to strengthen your soul, your, your inner man. I mean, yes, I, I, I care about the sickness. I don't want you to be sick. I care about the body in that way. I don't want you to be unhealthy. But greater than that, I care about the soul. Because the, you could have us all fooled. We could all fool each other. I'm good. I'm healthy. I got my strength. I, I'm here. I can walk. No aches, no pains. Or if I do, they're just minimal. Uh, but that's all bodily stuff. And we're, we're, we could be totally f- overlooking the soul, the soul of the individual. So Paul is saying here, I'm praying that you be strengthened with might by his spirit in your soul. Now, that's not what I intended to share. I just wanted to share that because I felt it in the prayer room. But as you, as you, as the Lord puts somebody on your spirit or in your heart or whatever it is, and you think, man, I'm going to pray for them. Uh, pray. This is a, an example that Paul gave us to pray for individuals. Don't forget about the soul of the, Actually, if I'm honest with you, probably the majority of the time when I'm praying for someone, whether I consciously think this or not, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, touch his soul, Lord. Touch his soul. Strengthen his soul. I'm not, I don't use those words. But when I'm praying for him, I will pray. I pray strengthen to him. I'm not, I mean, I'm not negating if the Lord says, all right, I'm going to let him grow muscles. I'm going to let him... Or make I pray, give him wisdom. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to increase his IQ. No, I'm praying for the inner man of the individual. That's what I want to see impacted, strengthened by the Spirit. So the next time the Lord leads you in prayer for someone about a situation you may or may not know, don't forget this. Remember this. Lord, I pray strengthen to their soul. Many of us have been reading here at the start of the year, since the start of the year, um, both through portions of the New Testament and the Old Testament. We started in Genesis 
um, the Lord keeps showing me things that either I've learned them and forgot them or uh, never really heard them before. But it, my kids, I think so far, their favorite, uh, because I read this to them as well, uh, every time I get a chance, I, I okay, let's, and, and I'll just drop you a hint. Good news translation. Good news. That's not the King James Version. It's not the NIV. It's, it's like those, but it's called Good News Translation. That has been the winner at my house and also for me personally. I, and just a little backstory. I got this because one of the apps that I use for the Bible on my phone allows me to play audio. And I don't know about you, but um, if I push play on the King James Version, at least a part of me is like, oh, man, i got to really listen. I don't know if I'm hearing what he's saying or if he's, was that English or what was, did I have that? Because it's, it's, I mean, I read it and I go to King James Version, especially as I'm looking for doctrinal issues. But as I'm trying to just consume the word of God as much as I can, then I get it in there any way that I can. So that translation, um, as I read through it, I, I oftentimes I'll think, no, that it can't be that. that. That that makes too much sense, or that's too clear, or that's that. I understand that too well. And then I'll I'll read it. I'll go through it, and then I'll go back over to King James. And yeah, I kind of think that is what King James says, even though it's more you know difficult to understand. If you read through it and you know that this is really what it's saying, oh, you can see it there. So um, we're looking through Exodus. What I was going to say was. Um, when we, we read through, I want to say it was about chapter 20 around there, when uh, the Lord's giving Moses these different laws. And there's a whole chapter about what to do when, the, uh, when your animals act up, basically. If the bull gets out of the pen and causes this. And, I mean, you start reading that, and all of a sudden you've got kids that like the Old Testament. Praise God. Uh, but so, so, yeah, that's, that's in there. But... As we're looking through that and we read through uh, a part of Exodus chapter 23, uh, the Lord really just started to flow through his word. I want to try to share a little bit of this if I can. He's still been adding to it um, as I think and pray about this more. But just to kind of set the backstory again, um, in the book of Exodus the children of Israel, are, they start off as captives in Egypt. The Lord raises up Moses and says, Moses, you're going to set my people free from that captivity. You're going to take them out of Egypt, and you're going to take them to a land which I promised, not just them, but I promised their fathers. Abraham, I made this promise to Abraham, to Isaac. To Jacob, I made this promise way back then. Moses, you're going to be the guy that gets my children moving in that direction. Because what, what, what it looks like to everybody else is they're not moving in that direction. They're slaves. They're in captivity in Egypt. So Moses goes to, before Pharaoh. We, we, you know this story. He says, let my people go through the sequence of plagues. Uh, that happens. And as they leave Egypt, 
They cross over through the Red Sea, and they're in the wilderness. And the majority of what we've been seeing and reading a lot lately is what happens there in the wilderness during that phase. I, all I can say is I'm thankful I'm not Moses. I try to lead five children and men. That a lot of times is, is a chore. Now, you start multiplying that by the hundreds of thousands and these different. And Moses had a lot to put up with. I don't think it's any, any coincidence. That's why we read so much about that particular portion of their journey. Because the Lord is trying to say, uh, yes, I'm going to take you somewhere. I've got a plan for you, and I'm going to get you there, but I also want you to know how to act. You know, I'm not just leading a bunch of hooligans. And when you get there, you know, can you imagine if, if Elder Hart and Sister Hart drove all the young people to youth convention, pulled up, put it in park. All right, everybody, get out. We'll pick you up on Saturday. No, no. I mean, not anything against our young people, but I just, I know we need, uh, we need leadership. That's why. So the same is what's happening in that part of Exodus when the Lord is saying, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, all the different parts of law and things that he establishes there so that they know how to behave. Um, but I want you to, to look at Exodus chapter 23. And I want you to see this. Jump down to verse 26, 27. Go ahead and look at 27. I'm going to read you the King James Version, and then I'm going to read you the Good News Translation so you can see what I'm talking about. Exodus chapter 23, verse 27. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee, until thou be increased and inherit the land. Now, I'm going to read that same passage here. Elder Hart, when he said earlier, praise the Lord for what he hasn't done yet. Just remember that. He says, I will send an angel ahead of you to protect you as you travel and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Pay attention to him and obey him. I jumped back a little bit. Do, this is verse 20, uh, 21 now. Pay attention to him and obey him. Do not rebel against him, for I have sent him, and he will not pardon such rebellion. Now I'm jumping down to 27. I will make the people... Who oppose you afraid of me. I will bring confusion among the people. 
against whom you fight, and I will make all your enemies turn and run from you. I will throw your enemies into panic. Now, knowing, seeing these different things, knowing what happens when they get closer, because all this is happening while they're convened at the mountain in the wilderness. No, they, they start to get closer, and if you're not careful, you can, you can say, okay, well, let's, let's see how that plays out. And then you start to judge God and say, well, he didn't, you know, I don't see where he sent hornets to this town, and I don't see where this king, you know, surrendered. All, it, that process, we'll get there. But that process, especially with Joshua, once Moses was off the scene, that was such an, a, a God-ordained victory and conquest, the way that he did all this, and the time that it took to do each of these things. I, I really feel like God is wanting to share and open our understanding to the time of this battle, the time that it takes to get this victory. I will throw your enemies into panic. I will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites as you advance. I will not drive them out within a year's time. If I did, the land would become deserted and the wild animals would be too many for you. Instead, I will drive them out little by little until there are enough of you to take possession of the land. Let me me pose it to you this way. I've got 20 acres. I've got 20 acres of Honeycrisp. I know everybody loves Honeycrisp. I mean, I've been, it's been in my family for, for generations, and it's all, it's perfectly maintained. It's got all that, I mean, the pump is good. It's serviced regularly. Oh, it's got the tractors. It's got everything you need. It's all yours. I'm just going to give it to you. Would you rather me and my family and anybody else that's associated with that piece of land pack up our stuff and leave? And we're just, we're, we're, you, you can have it in about seven years. Okay, that's what we'll agree to, about seven years. But we're going to leave now. And in seven years, that land is yours. Sounds great, right? But if you live in this valley, and if this piece of property is in this valley, year one, you're going to see, hang on, hang on. Um, They did a bunch of pruning over here. I wonder if that happened out at my land. And then you see, okay, spring comes. Oh, it's blossom. It's pretty. I bet my land's looking good now. But then summer comes and there's harvest and all these other apple guys man they got the laborers out there they're picking it's looking really good i bet it, i bet it's going good and then after that i'm sure we see this to me driving through this area there's nothing sadder than about late september early october and you see a full orchard that wasn't picked i mean that's just me i look at that fruit and i think man there was a day that that was perfect and now it's rotted wasn't helped. It wasn't maintained at all. And then it starts to fall off the ground and we see fall. You got to go through seven years of that. Watch. Hey, I, you were happy when I said you can have it. 
It's all yours seven years from now. No strings attached. Or I'll present it to you this way. I'll stay. It's still yours. It's still yours in seven years. But when you get there, I'll still be there in seven years. My family's still going to be living there for in seven years. My workers are still going to be coming out and taking care. They're going to do the harvest. They're going to do all that stuff. And we'll just slowly transition this over to you at, at that seven-year period. And then I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to drive the tractor. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the number of the field guys. I'll, I'll give you all the stuff that you need. I, I'm going to keep maintaining this pump for seven years. Make sure that I'm going to pay the water bill. All that, it's going to be there. And when you get there in seven years, we'll, we'll transition this over to you. Now, I think if I ask for a show of hands, all of us would choose option B, right? Because I know that when I get there in seven years, it's going to be ready for me to just keep things rolling. And it's a, it's a valuable piece of land and property. That is what God said through Moses to the people of Israel. You, you will get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all this awesome, amazing, mighty stuff to set the way for you. I, I, I've, I've already got the property picked out. I know exactly where it is. I'm not going to drive away the inhabitants of that land right now. I could. But then when you got there, it would be all deserted. It would be a, a wasteland. Even one of them says the wild animals would overtake it. And you would get there and you would turn back at me and say, what is this, God? So instead, I'm going to let the inhabitants of the land maintain this. The, you're you're, you're going to get to reap when you get there. Because it's going to be ready. Look at, uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 10. Deuteronomy 6 and 10. We talked a little bit about this Wednesday night. This, the first part of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So this is in that conversation that that God is having with Moses about where I'm leading you to. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. Verse 11. And the houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Verse 12. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I'm going to read it to you, this other translation. Just as the Lord your God promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will give you a land with large and prosperous cities which you did not build. The houses will be full of good things which you did not put in them. 
and there will be wells that you did not dig and vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. When the Lord brings you into this land and you have all you want to eat, make certain you do not forget the Lord who rescued you from Egypt where you were slaves. I don't know about you, but I, I know that God can prepare something for me far greater, far better than I could do for myself. When I looked at this, the, the, the battles that Joshua fought, and when he, he goes into the first city and he goes to overtake them, Joshua, it says that Joshua fought for a long time. Probably going to be one of my kids' next memory verses because it's a nice short one. Joshua fought for a long time. But somewhere in that battle, if you, if you looked up the history, so they were, Moses was the one that, that dispatched the 12 spies, in case you didn't know that. That wasn't Joshua. Moses did that. They go, they spy out the land, and they say, it's a great land. That is the land that God has prepared for me. I want it. I'm ready to take it. Let's do it. Well, that was the voice of two. The voice of the other ten. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. But, but, I mean, they got these guys that look like they could build entire cities there. They got these guys that look like they know how to dig wells and how to, how to build and plant orchards. And, and they know how to do all that stuff. I mean, they're giants. I don't doubt the Lord just, oh, yeah, you, you saw the field man. You saw, you saw the guy, the head of construction. You saw the one that's preparing this land for you. But rather than thank you for getting the best. I mean, I, I, I like the thought of living in a house that was built by giants, and I'm just a normal-sized guy. <laughs> I mean, you pay a pretty good premium for those vaulted ceilings here. But that perspective that they had was, nope, that's not for us. They're too big. They're too strong. They're too powerful. Let's, let's wait here. And, and, and let's just, maybe we'll, maybe we'll look on the other hill. Maybe we'll, look, we'll, we'll figure something else out. And because of that perspective because of that mindset that those 10 and the families associated with them all died off in the wilderness but and and through this process the lord the lord's leading the children of israel this way into this city and they fight and they overtake it. And Joshua's the leader. He goes this way, fights this city, he overtakes it. It says a, a long time, the span of roughly seven years, five to seven years is the time of the, from the time that Joshua overtakes and starts leading battles. See, they're not in the wilderness at this point. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't get into Canaan for another five to seven years for this time of battle. But here's the deal. Somewhere along the way in that battle, in the background, God's got his mind and his timing. I'm going to let 
these few orchardists go. I'm going to, uh, this building's done. That construction worker, he's laid off. He's gone. He, I don't need him anymore. He's out of my time. And, and the whole time, Joshua and the children of Israel, they're just fighting another battle. We're going to go to this city and fight. We're going to go to this city and fight. And the Lord's knowing all this time for the day that you get to Canaan until you're able to fully possess the land, I am driving off the inhabitants little by little. God has made promises to me. I know he's made promises to you. Things that he can do, in, he will do in us, for us, through us. I'm going to use you. I'm going I'm to do these wonderful works through you. And in my mind, I think, okay, I'm good tomorrow. What are you doing tomorrow? Uh, let's start today. What, what, what are we going to go? But he's, he sees everything, and he knows I am preparing this place for you. If I had to kick out everybody that's currently inhabiting the land, the area of your promise, and you get there, by the time you get there, it's no longer maintained. It's no longer taken care of. And that promise that I gave you will not come to pass. But if you trust me with the leading of this time, and I say today, no, we're not going to possess that promise. Today, we're going to go fight this battle. Victory is in this battle. I already, that's one of the many things that he said was, I'm sending my angels before you to prepare the victory. Your enemies will turn their backs. I'm going to send confusion. I'm going to send all these different things. You're not going to have to worry about, will you win the battle? You're not even going to have to worry about, do you know how to swing the sword? You're not going to have to worry about, do you know how to hold the shield? I mean, I am going to help you with this battle and this victory. And somewhere on God's time clock, he says, another battle's won. A few more inhabitants of this land driven out. Your promise, I'm still working on it. I'm still preparing it. And... We don't know when, but we could go to the next day, the next fight, the next battle. And at the end of that battle, when we've got the victory, God says, oh, yeah, hey, you asked me what I'm doing tomorrow. Let me tell you, I'm leading you to the promised land. That's my timing. That's my plan. Go back to Exodus chapter 3 and 20. This is the verse that I started with earlier. Sorry, Exodus 23. This is 
this is still confounding even in the easiest translation I can find to read. Because God is, part of the time he says, I'm going to send an angel to do this work. And in my mind, I think, okay, well, if that's my angel and he's, he's my victory angel, he's the one that's going to fight and, and get the battle won for me, and he's over there, then how am I, what am I supposed to do right here? You know, are you saying you're going you're gonna to desert me? Because I've got this battle i got to fight. I mean, I know, yeah, it sounds great that he's, got, he's headed to Canaan and he's driving out those people. But before we get to Canaan, we got to go to Jericho. Or we got this stop in the way. And what are we supposed to This is what he says. I will send an angel ahead of you to protect you as you travel. And to bring you to the place which I have prepared. You ever, when you travel, you know what the destination is. If you're like me, if you've got a road trip coming up, either audibly or, or, or otherwise, you're thinking and you're praying, Lord, help me get there safely. Give us traveling mercies and all those things that you might pray over a trip. No blowouts in the name of Jesus. No running out of gas. All those, you know, keep us, keep us uh, safe. What did he say that angel's going to do? This angel, I'm sending the angel ahead of you to protect you. Not, I'm going to make this angel hover over you, shield you. And because, I mean, that's the kind of protection I'd love to have. Just this, you know, I can walk through anything because the angels are hovering over me and I can just go right through. But that angel's going ahead of me to protect me and to bring me to the place. Verse 21, it says, pay attention to him and obey him. Do not rebel against him, for I have sent him and will not pardon such rebellion. But if you obey him and do everything I command, I will fight against all your enemies. My angel will go ahead of you and take you into the land of the Amorites. the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will destroy them. Verse 25, it says, If you worship me, the Lord your God, I will bless you with food and water and take away all your sickness. I'm not looking for Canaan. I'm not looking for that promise. I'm not looking at the enemy. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to study a, a strategic battle plan well enough to know when we fight. I'm not, I'm not studying the playbook, I'd put it that way. 
I'm not, lo- I'm, not looking for the, I'm not looking at the promised land, and I'm not looking at the playbook. What I'm looking for is the angel, the spirit that's going to guide me. Because all these other promises are if you obey him. If you obey this messenger, this angel, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lead you here. I'm going to fight for you in this way. If you obey the angel, if you obey the word. And then that frees me up as God to work behind the scenes. To, uh, now I can think about, okay, I, I know your timing. I know your estimated time of arrival. And that allows me to start driving out these inhabitants. Preparing this place that's prepared. I don't want you to get there too soon. And I don't want you to get there too late. I want you to get there when I have, uh, when I have destined this. Because of this, all this other work that I'm doing in the background to prepare this for you. Your only job is to find that messenger and follow him. Listen to him. Obey him. Lord Jesus, God, we're, we are hungry for you. We're hungry for your word and your truth. God, we're thankful for the promises that you've already made. God, we're thankful for the word that you've spoken to us. Jesus, every promise that you've made over me, every time you've spoken a word to me, God, I'm thankful for that. Jesus, I'm trusting and I'm believing in the direction and in the leading of your spirit. God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what battle or what victory there may be tomorrow. Jesus, but I know that I'm trusting you. God, I know that I am following in your footsteps. I'm following in your path, Jesus. Come on, why don't you stand for a minute? Let's let the Lord intervene here. He wants to minister strength right now. He wants to minister peace right now. Lord Jesus, God, we open up our spirits to you. Jesus, we're here, Lord God, to obey you, to hear from you to follow your direction, to follow your leading. God, I trust you with every victory right now. I trust you with every battle. God, before I even face it, before I'm even faced with that battle, God, right now I'm letting it be known that I trust you for the victory. I'm letting it be known, oh God, that I trust you and your leading. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want to say this. I think it was Brother Lewis I was speaking with this, uh, with him about this Wednesday night. If you, if you get a chance and you can look, use Google to look at a map of the 
or if you've got it in your Bible still, the map of the, of the uh, journey through that wilderness. In Exodus, it says, God speaking, I did not take them by the coast of Philistia, which is the short route. I didn't take them that way. Because if I did, and they knew it was only that short journey, then when they got into this realm that we're talking about today, where there's battles, victories, waiting, and inhabitants, and all, when they got there and they saw that that was going to be my method, they would know Egypt is just right back down this coast. Where we, where we felt like we had safety, where we felt like we had some sort of a life that we were comfortable with. I know I didn't have to, to, I know I didn't have to fight any giants when I was back there in Egypt. I was never once faced with having to scout out land. I mean, that's, that's not me. I, I'm, I'm just somebody that builds bricks. That's what I know. I'm somebody, I'm somebody that, that just does what Pharaoh tells me to do. And I obey my taskmasters because that's my comfort zone. And I'm here now out on this, the edge of this promised land. You say it's flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, but it's their milk and honey. They, they're well off right now enjoying that. I mean, I wish I could just go back to making bricks and getting the straw. And I'm comfortable with that. I know how I can make a good brick by now. I know how much straw you need. I know how much mud you need. I know what time of day is the right time to do it. Avoid the heat. That's my that's my comfort zone, God. That's where I know how to operate. And God says, I didn't take them that way. Because they would know when they see battle, they could return to Egypt. But, but I, the route that I took them, down through the wilderness, around the mountain, and then back up this way, this route, they see the battle the first thing they're going to do is turn back and say, I just came through 40 years of wandering. Do I want to fight this battle and trust in the Lord that he will send victory? And by the end of this day, we could be celebrating victory? Or do I want to turn back into 40 years of wandering? Elder Hart, I'm going to turn this over to you. Praise God. You thankful for the word of the Lord today? If you just study just a little bit, you can go all the way book back to Exodus chapter 3. When the Lord spoke to Moses at the burning bush. 
Know that story? Burning bush, Moses, stop, look, take off your shoes, holy ground. Everybody know, wave your hand if you know that story. All right, most of you. That was before he ever went back to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out. If you read in chapter 3, somewhere between, somewhere in the latter half of that chapter, I think, I think it's verse 10 or 11 where he says, I am that I am. So somewhere after that, the Lord says to Moses, I'm going to take you into this land and names all those different nations that Brother Flowers just talked to us about. And I'm going to give you this place. It was the plan and the promise of the Lord to the man that he used to lead them. And the word of the Lord never changed all along the journey. The Lord knew what he was going to do. The journey is about us no longer trusting ourselves and putting all of our confidence in him that is leading us. They were comfortable making bricks because that's what they could do. The Lord was asking them to trust him for what they could not do. Therefore, he would get the credit for what was done rather than them getting credit for what they accomplished. The Lord is speaking to us today from the outset about his word coming to us and us following through even when circumstances change it's part of his process it's the molding and the making process so that we recognize and realize when we arrive places in the, arrive places in this journey i didn't get there of my own doing it wasn't my abilities it wasn't my own efforts it wasn't my accomplishments it wasn't my righteousness it wasn't my goodness it wasn't my character it was the great grace supernatural power the work of god who ordered my steps directed my path made a way for me opened doors for me tore down walls for me defeated enemies for me it was god that did this not myself where is your faith I feel the Lord reaching to somebody this morning. He's trying to turn your faith back to a word he gave you somewhere along the way. And circumstances have changed on the journey. Things look different than when you started. But the word of God has not changed. The word of God has not changed. That's why the word says, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. He said, my word is forever settled in heaven. We can stand on the uttered spoken word of God. As Elder Flowers was ministering this morning, the Lord started taking me back through things. I could, I don't know about you, I have vivid pictures of when the Lord's spoken things to me. I have vivid pictures, they're as real as today. If I'll just close my eyes, I can remember. I remember the place, the time. Some places I remember the smell in the moment. I, I remember. I, my, my, I can go to South Hill in a restaurant sitting at a table. I know the place in the restaurant. I remember those sitting there. I remember the word of the Lord. I can go back to a morning in prayer in a home in 2009 in Arkansas when I received a short three-line email. I can go places... 
I remember laying on the floor. If the building was still there, I could take you to the place. It's gone now. But laying on the floor on the carpet in Maryland and the Lord speaking things. Some of these things I haven't seen happen yet. I can go to an airport and remember the Lord talking me to an airport at a specific place. I believe every word because I know it was the word of the Lord. And I promise you there have been circumstances on the journey that have made it look like there's just no way it happen. There's just no way it happen. My faith is not in what I see. It's in the word of God that I've heard. This is why the writer said we walk by faith and not by sight. Where's your faith? In the name of Jesus, I'm going to open this altar to you. I want to give you a chance to come lay hold afresh on the Word of God today. I want to allow Him to impart into your spirit afresh. Maybe there's some places where you've sat some things aside that the Lord's trying to get you to grab hold of them afresh today. That His Word will not fail. His Word is forever settled. Where He started the journey for you, He'll finish it if you'll remain in the process. What he's spoken to you, he'll do if you'll remain in his process. Come on, there, was, there were those on the journey in the wilderness that said, I would to God I was back in Egypt. They were looking back to a place of bondage that was more comfortable than what God had promised because they could not hold on to the word of God. Come on, hold on to the word of God this morning. Come on, declare a faith this morning afresh in His Word. You may have to say, God, I don't see it and I can't understand it, but I refuse to doubt the Word of God. Satan, you are a liar. The Word of God is true. I will stand on His Word that cannot fail. I'll stand on your word for my family, Lord. I'll stand on your word for my home. I'll stand on your word for my finances. I'll stand on your word for the ministry you have ordained for my life. I'll stand on your word for healing that has yet to be realized. I'll stand on your word, Father. I'll stand on your word. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, declare things in faith. We've got to learn to speak things out in faith by the word of the Lord. Speaking those things that are not yet as though they are. That's faith in the word of God. Declaring things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I'm encouraging you this morning. Open your mouth and speak those things. Speak those things in faith. I'm not talking about my will and my desire. I'm talking about the will of God where you've heard from Him. Speak those things afresh. Declare them afresh today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God, our God God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our 
God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Water you turn into wine, open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you, there's none like you. Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you oh, Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Hallelujah. Come on, as you're praying this morning, there was an element there that was shared with us about the voice of the Lord or the voice of the angel of the Lord and obeying it. For some of you, your answer is in obedience and stepping in obedience to what the Lord has already instructed you. Come on, stepping in obedience to what he's already asked of you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm asking you across this room, if you're not seeking God for yourself, would you praise and worship for what the Lord is doing in others, for others that are seeking for their situation? Would you give yourself to worship and praise? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God.
spirit break out Lord we pray break our walls down spirit break out heaven come the name we're lifting high your glory shaking up the earth and sky revival we want to see your kingdom here we want to see your kingdom here spirit break
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands together, whether you're sitting or standing? Would you just lift your hands with me to Him and begin to lift up the name of Jesus? Come on, let praise fill your mouth right now. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. Come on, worship him. That's the refreshing of the Lord you're feeling right now. Come on, this that strength in the inner man that Brother Flowers was ministering about. We magnify you, Jesus. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, praise God. How do we hold to and remember the word of God? I think we do it the same way Moses did it where the Lord ministered to us from his word today if you read just a little bit further through the end of that chapter and start the next one you may remember this since we read Exodus last month after the Lord gave Moses that word the next thing he did is build an altar He built an altar. It was a memorial, a place of affirming the word of God. And then from the altar, he got up and declared the word to the people of Israel. It's very important when the Lord speaks something into our spirit that we then build an altar. A place of prayer where we memorialize what God has spoken to us. It was after that altar and Moses declaring that word to the people that he said, Lord, we will obey it. We will obey it. Amen. Do you want to receive the promises of the word of God? Amen. I want to receive them. And I want to obey his word that causes those promises to come to fruition. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The Lord bless you today. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Greet somebody as you go today.